0: Thank you for tuning in today at Propel Church. Whether you're watching through YouTube or listening through a podcast, we want to say thank you. Our hope at Propel is that you would be propelled into an authentic relationship with Jesus. From wherever you are tuning in, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this week's message. So, uh, man, this is Palm Sunday. And uh, we are at the day before or the week before Easter Sunday, Palm Sunday is where we celebrate that the devil can catch these hands No, I'm just kidding, Palm Sunday is actually where we celebrate that Jesus is coming in on a triumphant entry. He's Coming in on a donkey. He is Hosanna in the highest. He is worthy to be praised. We celebrate that. And those same people who would wave palm branches at him one day the next week would be carrying pitchforks to crucify him. And these are the that's the way life works sometimes. But as we look at what's coming up next weekend, we've got Easter Sunday. And so wanted to just make sure you knew uh, we are throwing a party next Sunday because we serve a God who's not dead, but who's alive live. And so Easter Sunday, April 17th at 9 a.m. and 1030. uh, Those are going to be our regular worship experience times. And we went ahead and gave you a note card today. Here's what you're going to be doing with that. At some point during today's message, I believe that God is going to lay somebody's name on your heart for you to invite somebody to sit with you next week at one of our Easter experiences And so you're going to write those names down at the end of the message today. You're going to bring those forward. And our team's going to pray over those this week, that God would give you the ability to have those conversations, to take those next steps, because we really see a ton of value in inviting people to church in this Easter season. They're way more likely to say yes to it. And that's kind of what this whole series has been. About. It's been uh, this compelled series has been you and I going on a journey together where we understand that God's design and desire for our lives is to have an encounter with Him to experience life change, and then for us to do something with the life change we've experienced. And so we've talked about how once we encounter him, we leave behind that old life, and we go to uh, walk in the new life, and we tell other people about Jesus. We talked about what it looked like to be compelled to serve and use our gifts, and what it looked like to leverage our finances. And as I was thinking about the week before Easter and what to teach you, I really felt like we needed to get ready and be compelled to... Invite people. And so, as we look at the text that we're going to be in, we're going to be in Luke chapter 14 this morning. But when I was thinking about it, Jesus is about to talk about a banquet table, and he talks about uh, these moments that happen around a dinner table. You ever anybody have a dinner table growing up? Or I call it a kitchen table. Doesn't matter where it's located, <laughs> if it's in the kitchen or not, it's a kitchen table. And uh, you'd sit and you'd have these great memories around it. Tables are pretty iconic in Scripture. One of the most uh, well-known dinners is called the Last Supper. It's a moment where Jesus would break bread with the disciples. And they had the this moment where really if you go and look in Scripture, you can see that we serve a God who knows people are going to betray him and deny him and still chooses to serve them anyways. Right. Those are some of the powerful moments that happen around tables. But maybe you had these funny moments moments growing up around your family table. You and your family would get together, and you'd have dinner. I know for me, um, the I grew up, I, I had two brothers and a sister, and so these were moments where, you know, your brother would go for seconds, and you'd just stab him with a fork. Nothing <laughs> like, those are just how family dinners go sometimes. Or maybe uh, maybe your family wasn't that crazy. Maybe you guys just, you know, you played uno around the kitchen table. You had a good time. Some of us didn't have those moments with family. Those gatherings around a table took place with friends. It took place when we would go to somebody's house and we would hang out and get to uh, experience this beautiful blessing of being invited into somebody's home. Because whenever you're invited into somebody's home, invited to somebody's table, it shows that you're important to them. You matter to them. There's relevance there. And Jesus is actually telling this entire parable in Luke 14 to make sure you and I understand, first and foremost, that all of us have been invited to God's table, that God desires a relationship with us, that he sees value in you even when you're broken and you're hurting. And so in the beginning of Luke 14, we see that Jesus will heal a crippled man, and he does it on the sabbath because all these religious leaders were sitting around talking and saying we're not going to serve him or help him because this is our day off and Jesus says if you had a sick child wouldn't you step in to help them even if it was your day off and so he heals him on the sabbath and then Jesus is watching as the people in Luke 14 are going to sit at the table and most of them are picking seats that are beyond their current Capacity or their royalty status. And so Jesus teaches about what it looks like to be in his kingdom. And he says, don't just take the highest seat in the house because it's gonna be pretty embarrassing when they have to come move you. Instead, you should take a lower seat And then, when the host comes and he says, We have a greater place for you, you will be exalted above people. And he goes on to teach that those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then, the last thing he does before we get into this text is he tells them, Don't just invite the people you like, don't just invite your friends and your family. Invite those who are broken and hurting, because he's really trying to make sure they understand who Jesus came for. And after he talks about inviting those broken people, it says that that when you invite those people, you'll experience the blessing of the resurrection. And then it says this in Luke chapter 14, verse 15. It says, Hearing this, A man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God it's one of those blessings. He's he's, he's so excited. He's so passionate about it. He's like, man, if, if this is what it's all about, to bring in lost people and to help hurting people, what a blessing it's going to be one day to feast in the banquet of God. And what's happening in this moment is he is looking into the future and talking about a banquet that is not yet going to take place. He's talking about a banquet that he'll experience in heaven. It's going to be eternal. And all of that's great. But Jesus Jesus didn't come and die and save us so that our ticket could be punched into heaven and we could just wait it out. He came and saved us and set us free so that we could do good works that he prepared for us long ago, so that we could partner with God in making a difference in the world, not by saving people ourselves, but inviting them into a relationship with him. And when Jesus tells a parable, normally it's to correct a false ideology. We're not waiting for a banquet in heaven. The banquet has already been prepared, and Jesus wants to make sure that these people are ready. So he goes into a story, and it says that then Jesus replied with this story, that a man prepared a great feast, and he sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guest, Come, the banquet Is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, Well, I just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, Well, I just got married so I can't come. You know? (laughs) When we look at the text and we see Jesus teaching Luke 14 on this banquet one of the things is i think sometimes we don't talk about in church we we just teach you to invite people we give you the resources we give you the tools to do it but you need to know that excuses are part of invitations anytime you're going to invite somebody to something excuses are a part of invitations let's go to that next slide As we look at the text and we see this man has prepared a great feast. He has done all the prep work, but then he sends these men to go out into the town to get people who are on the guest list. And when they go out and they begin to share with these people, the first thing that happens is they begin to make excuses. Now, the first guy's excuse if we don't take into consideration the current real estate market, it doesn't make any sense, right? Because normally when you buy a field, you'd inspect it before you buy it. Right now, you might not have that luxury. It just is what it is, you know? So he's going, hey, you know what? I, I just bought this field. I need to go check it out. And in those times, you're not buying a field sight unseen. It's, it's a pretty lame excuse. The second guy comes in and he says, hey, you know what? I bought five pairs of oxen, and I need to go test them out. I need to go work. But you don't buy used oxen not knowing if they don't work already. Because you want to make sure you get your money's worth. These are just excuses that these people would say. The first guy was like, hey, I'm just too busy. I've got too many things going on. Maybe work life is a little crazy right now, but it's just a season. And one day I'll do it, but those are just excuses. And the next guy was like, man, I've just got too much stuff. I've got these oxen and I need to go try them out. You know, the weather's getting a little bit warmer and I've got this lake house that I need to go try. Jesus, the banquet's great. I could have used Saturday, but Sunday is a great day. Maybe, maybe I've got an excuse of why I can't come to the banquet because I've got some other things to do or, or better yet, there's things that are in higher priority for me. These people had excuses for why they couldn't come. And the last guy was just like, look, I've not been married long enough to bring it up. I'm going to be honest, I just can't. I'm just going to go ahead and give a no because I don't want to talk to my wife about it, right? It was one of those excuses. Excuses are a part of invitation. But here's the good news. It only takes one yes for someone to have an encounter with Jesus and for their life to be changed forever. When you go out and you invite people, and we're doing a big push to invite people to Easter, and we're talking about what it looks like to bring people into the kingdom of God. As we do those things, you're going to experience people who have excuses from time to time. Even when I invite people to church, I get excuses. I was having a conversation with a lady in Subway one year, and uh, I said, hey, I'd love to invite you to Easter. And she said, "Uh, no, I wouldn't come to that church. Now, she didn't know I was the pastor, so I was like, okay. All right, well, why would you not come to church? She said, because that pastor wears T-shirts and sneakers. I said, ma'am, these are Jordans, you know? Like, well, you got to, let's, let's make sure we get that right. But what was it? Well, it was just an excuse, right. right? Sometimes we hear those excuses when it comes to the type of worship people do. Hey, I only go to a church that doesn't have you know, drums or guitars. Why? Well, because in in those instances, we've made worship actually about us and not about God. Worship's never about your personal preference. It's about the one who's worthy to be praised. It's an excuse. Oh, I only go to churches who walk through books of the Bible forgetting that... Jesus didn't even teach like that. So I mean just there's all these excuses that people have from time to time. Excuses are a part of invitations, but most of the time the reason why we don't invite people to church or we don't invite people to our small group or we don't invite people to come and do life with us is cuz most of us still deal with this fear of rejection that we've never dealt with in our life. Right. So we're not we're we're too afraid to ask because we don't know how someone's going to respond. And when you live your life based on fear, fear is something that you'll either control or it will control you. And when it comes to the decision makings that you make in life, they cannot be motivated by fear and get godly results at the same time. So we look to inviting people to Easter. We look to do invitations knowing that there's probably going to be some people who have excuses along the way. But the good news is um, eight out of 10 people typically say yes to an Easter invite. Now you'd say, Pastor, where'd you get those stats? I read it on Google one year and I've been saying it ever since. (laughs) And if you say it four times, you can say I've always said. So eight out of 10 people, eight out of 10 people, eight out of 10. There we go. We're at four. So eight out of 10 people say yes to an Easter invite, which probably means that you're gonna have some people who make excuses, but we choose to look past those excuses and invite them anyways. Some of you are here because you had a persistent friend or family member who just never gave up on you and kept inviting you and kept inviting you and kept inviting you. And then once you experienced Jesus, it it was like, okay, yeah, I'd love to do that. But we need to be people who realize excuses are a part of the invitation. We keep reading in Luke chapter 14, verse 21. It says this, So the servant returned to the master and told him what the people had said. And his master was furious. And he said, Go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So when he comes back, the people come back. Again, the king has set the banquet, he's prepared a feast. He sends his people to go out and carry this message. But there's a group of people who have excuses and don't accept it. Luke 14 is actually all about how God is the person who has prepared the banquet. The people of Israel are the people with excuses. Therefore, God opens up the party to Gentiles. He opens it up to more people because God's desire is that everyone would experience what he's prepared He's not just going to shut it down because you have an excuse and say no. He's going to open it up so that more people can encounter him. And as he does this, the response is, then let's go out and let's find the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. These are going to be the people who were the outcast and the forgotten. But what I think it teaches us about invitations is to not exclude people with issues. Yep. When you go out and invite, don't exclude people with issues. Sometimes when we invite people to church, we just invite people that look like they have it all together. Now, can we just be honest for a second and, and, and come to the conclusion that literally none of us have it all together, right? None of us are perfect. None of us have this all together. In fact, I love to say it like this. If you're looking for a church filled with perfect people, it just became imperfect the moment you showed up, right? Like, there's not a perfect church. There's not perfect people. We are imperfect people who are pursuing a perfect God. And when we look at inviting people into an Easter experience, when we look at inviting people to experience Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we can't exclude people who are hurting, who are broken, or who have issues, because those are the very people Jesus came and died for. Mark chapter two, verse 17, that Jesus did not come for the well, for the well don't need a physician, he came for the sick and to save those who are lost. That's God's heart. It's a hospital for the broken, not for perfect people who have it all together. So you've got friends, you've got family members who have issues or who have things going on in their life, and those are the kind of people you need to make sure you bring to Easter next weekend. I would venture to say you've got some people who you know are hurting right now because you're watching what they post on social media. And you're watching that timeline going, man, you're in some tremendous pain. Well, don't just leave them out there. Let's get them to experience Jesus so that they can have life change and find comfort in the one who is the only one who's able to give comfort to us. Don't exclude the people with issues. You may have some friends where you're like, man, I hope the pastor never finds out I hang out with these people. Those are the kind of people I want you to bring to Easter, right? Right, That's, that, those are the kind. Why? Because this is a safe place. This is a place where people are imperfect. I say it like this, this is a church for all people. And when I say like all people, I mean all people, all people. If, you're, if you are de-churched or unchurched, this is a church for you. This is a church for people who hate church and people who love church. This is a church for people who feel like they have it all together and people who are still exploring the faith. This is a church for people who have 5,000 kids and people who ain't got no kids at all, right? This is a church for the single mom or the single dad. This is a church for the healthy family. This is a church for people who feel like they got it all together and those who don't. It's a church for the broke college student and the wealthy doctor. It's a church for every tribe, tongue, nation, generation. It is a church for all people. A church for all people. And it's been a church for all people since day one. It, it, so, sometimes people think, oh, you know, culture's changing. You became a church for all people when it became. No, it's no, day right. one. Right. Day one, this has been that spot. Because cause let me tell you, when I first got saved, there weren't many churches I could go to. Because yeah. I was holy in hood, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I had a, little, had a little stuff going on in my life. Met Jesus, but I was rough around the edges. But Jesus changed me. He set me free. Right. And so we want to create a church where no matter what you got going on in your life, no matter... Where you're at, you can experience Jesus and He can change you forever. So we invite people into those moments. We invite, we don't exclude people just because we think that they have problems or issues. And that's what Jesus is doing. I pray that as a church, we're always known as a place that's a hub where people can find hope, healing, and restoration. And uh, no matter if you're poor, crippled, blonde, lame, visionless, addicted, this is not a party you're excluded from. In fact, the invitation is there. If you got those issues, I'd say welcome home. Yes. You're in the right place to encounter a real God who can change you from the inside out. So they go out, they encounter the crippled, the lame, the blonde, all those people, and then they come back. And this is the third time they come back. Luke chapter 22, or chapter 14, verse 22. It says this After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, go out into country lanes and behind the hedges and compel anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. When they come back for the third time, and anytime you see something happen in threes, it's of relevance. It's of importance. It really matters to God. Three is a big number. Jesus was dead for him the third day he rose, right? Three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Me. You can find three all throughout Scripture. It's really important. It has high significance. The third time he comes back, and they're about to be sent out for the third time. This time, when they come back, you would think that the king would be satisfied because these people go out on round one carrying the guest list that he gave them. And they didn't have much success. So then he sends them out to go find the lame and the crippled and the broken and the hurting. And they go and they do that. They, they do the work. But when they come back, he's going, go out again because yeah. there's still more room. There's still more room. And, and you'd wonder, why, why can't the king just be satisfied? Like, why do we always need to be inviting people to the banquet? Why do we always need to be inviting people to church? Because the king's banquet has been prepared, and he wants every single person to experience it. It's not that we're just preparing a banquet every over and over and over again. The table's been set. The king has done his job. Jesus has died in your place. And what he knows is that there are people in the world who are lost and hurting and broken that desperately need to experience what it's like to sit at the king's table, to be invited to a place where you never felt worthy or worth it, but he shows you that you are. This is the beauty of being invited to the table. And the king is never satisfied because there's until every seat in the house is, is filled. If there's more room, God's not done. That's right. And the reason comes from 2 Peter 3, 9. It says this, that the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. He's being patient for our sake. Yeah. Right. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. People were like, well, what, why is not Jesus just come back yet? The world's getting worse. You want to know why? You still have friends and family members that if they died today would spend eternity separated from God and he loves them too much to end it now. He loves them too much to just go, you know what? They had their chance. They had their shot. He hasn't come back because he's commissioning and building his church to get passionate and to go out into the world to preach the good news of the gospel so that every single person can meet Jesus. I'm preaching about 63% better than you're responding. I'm going to tell you that much. My allergies are about to kill me. You're going to have to do an amen this morning for me. No, he's not just waiting. He's intentional. Yes. He's strategic. His desire is that none would perish Amen. because he really wants the house to be full. He wants people to experience the banquet. You know why? Because it's one thing to hear about something, but it's a whole other thing to experience it for yourself. That's right. I think one of the biggest problems with the world that's lost today is that they've heard about God for a long time, but they've never experienced him. Because you can hear about something. I eat a lot of food. Anybody else eat, eat food? You can hear about a good restaurant all day. But until you sit down and eat that steak, until you sit down and experience the hospitality and the environment, and you get into the space, you haven't really experienced it. You've just heard about it. You ever, you ever heard from one of your friends, a new restaurant opens up? All I got is food references right now. I'm hungry. <laughs> you ever heard somebody tell you about a restaurant? They're like, oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. You would never want to do that. They go on and on. And then you go and you're like, this was amazing. This is some of the best service they ever had. This was great food, great, great time, all that. Why? Well, because hearing about it is not enough. We live. People have no problem bashing God these days. But I don't want people just to hear about him. I want them to experience him. Right. And so let me ask you a question. I think it's the same question that the people would be receiving from the king as they would come back and they'd go, here's what we did. He'd go, all right, there's still room for more. Go back out. And they'd come back. I think probably after six or seven times, they would come into the house and they'd see how many people were at the party. And they would just, they quit going to the king and asking. Because at some point, We grow up and we don't have to ask God questions, He's already given us answers for. So, let me ask you a question Is the house full? Is the house full? When we look at talking about a a banquet, we look at talking about uh, Easter experiences. uh, Humor me for just a moment. I want you to look around the room. Look around the room. You can do it, it's not a trick question. (laughs) Do you see empty seats? So there's room in the house. And I don't say that as a guilt trip. I say it as a pep talk. Because here's, here's what we know. There's still room. Yeah. See, when we came back from, from uh, COVID last year at this time, um, we were running around 140 people uh, a weekend. And our average right now is around the 240 uh, range. But we have an ability to seat and facilitate about 400 people per service uh, on a weekend. That's our capacity currently. Well, with that in mind, there's still room. There's still room. And the reason why it's really important for us and the reason why we talk about inviting, it's not so that we can build a big church and we can have great numbers. Maybe early on in the church it was like this, but can I tell you, If there's a hundred of you that show up next weekend, I'm still going to sleep just as fine, right? My identity is not built on having this platform or this stage. God is way bigger than that. But the reason why we're so passionate about you inviting friends and inviting family members is because we know that each seat represents a soul. We know that this is not just about numbers. It's not just about getting a whole bunch of people in here We know that every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. We count numbers because numbers matter. Some people say, well, you know, God doesn't really care about numbers. He obviously does. There's a whole book of the Bible about it. (laughs) But outside of that, he counts what's important. There's a hundred sheep, and he loses one of them. What are those? Those are numbers. Those, Those are numbers. They matter. They matter to God. They matter so much to Him. God cares about numbers because numbers represent people. And we know that each person that occupies a seat is actually a soul. And so we talk about inviting and we talk about bringing. And we do it. We don't just do it on Easter. We do it every single week uh, in the year. And we give you invite cards and we resource you with those things. Because we want you to be in a place where you're consistently inviting people to come experience a banquet on a Sunday at Propel Church. Now, I'll tell you this. If this is not a church you feel comfortable inviting your friends and family to, I'd love to help you find a church where you do feel comfortable doing that. Because I think you need to be in a church. You need to be planted in a house where you are giving and serving and you're trying to bring everybody you can in so that they can experience the goodness of God. And while we are a church for all people, I know and understand that this is not the right fit for every single person in Mount Pleasant and the surrounding areas. I'm not called to be everybody's pastor. So if you're like that and you say, hey, I don't know if this is the right church for me, in, those, in the new here lounge, we've actually got a bag that we give you, and there's a card in there that says not the right fit. And we actually recommend other churches that you could try if this is not the right one for you. Because I care more about you being planted in a church than I do you just sitting here miserable in this one. That's our heart. All right. Each seat represents a soul. And so as we kind of get ready for Easter and look at that, uh, last year we had the opportunity to uh, see 264 people at our Easter experiences. And you guys are going to blow that out of the water, right? Some of y'all, all you got to do is actually bring your kids to church with you, and we'll surpass that if we're averaging 240 right now and going to 264. So here's my goal my goal for next week is that we see 450 people in our Easter experiences. And the reason why is because every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. And so here's my ask for you. My ask is that you would be a bringer next week. Yeah, Inviting is great, but bringing is intentional. Yeah. Um, you may even be a briber. You know, hey, if you come to church with me, I'll take you to lunch, right? Like right. be a bringer. Be somebody who goes out this week and takes the intentional next step to say, hey, I'd love for you. come sit with me at church next Sunday. Hey, we got our Easter experiences and you're gonna come in. And if you've got kids, your kids are gonna have a great time. And it's gonna be about an hour. But after that, I think we can go hang out. We can do lunch. We can do whatever. If you'll be a bringer, you'll see God do some amazing things. Because it only takes one encounter with Jesus to change you forever. Back in 2011... I was hopelessly stuck in a drug addiction I had done everything I could to get out I was addicted to cocaine marijuana Xanax I was I was hooked every morning I would wake up I would use drugs to even function but I had an encounter with Jesus on August 1st of 2011 and he set me free from that day forward it only takes one encounter why am, I, why am I passionate? Because it only takes a person who's broken and hurting to walk through the door one time to hear the good news of a Savior who died in their place for them to experience Him yes. for their life to be changed. So well, what happens if it, doesn't, if it doesn't happen on the on the first trip? We're gonna, we're gonna keep inviting them. Because yeah. here's what we see. If you get around Jesus for long enough, He'll change you. Right. So we invite people, we don't just invite, we bring them in. And so you've got that note card in front of you, and what I want you to do for just a second is I want you to think of a couple people who desperately need Jesus, who you're gonna be intentional about inviting, maybe three, maybe four, and I want you to write their name on that card for just a second. And as you write their name on that card, what we're gonna do during the fourth song of worship in just a second is you're gonna bring those down front and you're gonna leave them here. And you're going to drop them off because our team's going to pray over those this weekend. My prayer is going to be for divine encounters, divine opportunities. Sometimes we make inviting people to church a little too weird. We don't even know how to do it. So I'm praying God just opens the door where they ask you, hey, what are you doing this weekend? You go, oh, this is my moment, (laughs) you know. Hey, I'm going to church on Sunday. Would love for you to join me for Easter. It could be that easy doesn't have to be overly complicated, but take a second, write a few names down of people that you know need Jesus and myself and our team. We're gonna commit to praying over those in just a second. We've talked about being a bringer this morning and what it looks like to be compelled to not just sit in a service, to not just sit and listen to who Jesus is, but to really go and bring others to the place where they can experience him. Because we know that when they experience him, that's where life change happens. Be a bringer. God's gonna open up doors. And I'll tell you this, um, here's my promise to you, they won't come to an empty table. We've been preparing, we've been planning, we've been working. And when I, I spend, I spend probably two to three months thinking through what I'm gonna teach on Easter. Because my goal is to create the clearest gospel presentation I possibly can. So that when your friends and family members come in here and maybe they're not church, maybe they've never been around church people, they don't have to feel like they have to have a dictionary of church words to be able to understand that there's a God who loves them and cares about them. We spend time, energy, and preparation making sure that the guests you bring are well taken care of and that's my promise to you I'm going to do everything I can next week to present the gospel in a way that's clear and profound. And the good news is it's not a new message. It's the message that God has been writing for years and years and years that he desperately wants a relationship with you. So he sent Jesus to die in your place. They're not going to come to an empty table and As we look to closing this morning, here's what I know for some of us too. There's some of us in here that it's great to talk about inviting people to church, but we need to really embrace that invitation that Jesus first gives to us to experience and taste of his banquet of salvation, which is where we realize that no matter what we've done or what we've been through, Jesus came and he died for us. Romans teaches us that All of us have sinned and fallen short of the standard of God, which means we probably shouldn't have gotten an invitation to the banquet, but then Jesus died in our place so that we could have a seat at the table, so that we could be invited, so that in him we could experience new life. And for some of us, we've been trying to earn our way or get the invitation ourselves, but the only way that we experience salvation through accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So with every head bowed, every eye closed around the room for a moment, maybe you're here today and you've been banking on something else other than Jesus to save you. Maybe you've been trying to work hard or you've been trying to earn it or trying to just do better, but if you would surrender everything in your life to Jesus, if you would allow him to be the full payment of your sin, you would begin to experience new life today. You'd say, Pastor, I need to make that decision. Would you do me a favor and lift your hand for a moment and say, that's me. Come on. Here's what we're gonna do, church. Nobody prays alone, we're all gonna pray together. Will you repeat this after me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for checking out this week's message. If you made any decisions for Jesus, or you need a next step, or have a prayer request, let us know by going to www.propel.churchslash hub. That leads you to our digital connect card where you can fill out all of that information as well as see what we have coming up here at propel thank you again for tuning in and we hope to see you again soon